everybody, and welcome to Self-Evident Podcast. We got Massey, and I am just chilling. Too bad I'm back. <laughs> I'm just in Tennessee, and forgive me for not coming on live last night. Um, I could not do that. I didn't have the opportunity to uh, to do that, so I'm just trying to get everything situated here, guys. It's a little tough running this thing on our own uh, by ourselves. So, But we are here, and what are we going to talk about tonight? Obviously, you know um, that we are going to talk about what a father, a godly father can do in a society. So I'm really excited to be back with you guys again. Go on theselfevidenttruth.com, theselfevidenttruth.com, and you guys can find out more about how to help us. We've got a new Torchbearer campaign. If you guys have seen the Torchbearer Society, um, we are on and we are live, guys. So share this with your friends. Get on here and get on this thing. So um, I'm noticing that I'm trying to wait for more people to come on, but we're just going to go right on into it. So um, one of the things I wanted to discuss, especially with Father's Day coming up, um, is it's really important to start talking about the father figure in a nation. A father figure in a nation is so important in these days. It's actually super critical right now to have a father godly figure uh, in a nation. And, and we're going to talk about why in a second, but mainly because the father is really the spiritual head of the house. And, and that's the way God ordained it. That's the way God designed it. Uh, it does not mean that the woman is less than or anything like that. We've had some bad teaching out there about the woman being less than. Um, the Bible says that she uh, is a helpmate, and so we should treat them as such. But there's something about having two parents. The reason why God created a family structure to have two parents is something. You know, he created Adam to have a helpmate. The helpmate was then uh, there with him to, to tend the garden, to work the garden, to do all these things. And then when they had children, Adam was still present with Eve. Right? That was the natural design of God. The natural design of God was that. And so what scares me more and more and more is that we're getting away from that standard. And if you guys didn't know, um, right now in this nation, less than 50% of marriages, I think it's like 48% of marriages have both parents in the home. Right now, currently in America. And I'm going to read you guys a ton of statistics. i got a lot of cool stuff that I've been uh, sh uh, sh uh, uh, going through here and how we can remedy this situation. What we see a lot in a nation is a father who's really a father and who works hard and does what he does doesn't allow his children to become victims he doesn't allow his children to not work hard he doesn't allow his children not to walk in faith he doesn't allow his children i'm talking about a godly father a godly influencer i'm talking about every father because there are fathers out there who are doing the best they can um, with with common morality but i'm taking this a step further and why it's important to have godly fathers in a family and in a nation. And so if you look at any one of the founding fathers, there's a reason for that. They were founding fathers. These men took on their calling before God. Uh, they, established, they weren't perfect men by any means, but they led the charge to see a nation they were oppressed. And one of the things written in the preamble of the Constitution, it said to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our future kids, our posterity. So the entire idea was my job is to make sure that the blessings of liberty are secured to my children. If you notice, uh, God really goes after fathers. The Bible really goes right after dads. And the fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, to wrath, uh, depending on what uh, uh, version that you read. And there's a lot of things right now that we're seeing with fathers not being in the home. And what happens is the fathers are the spiritual covering. I notice that the more I start being tight in my, my prayer life, my walk, if I'm uh, walking in obedience and all these things, my kids eat the fruit of that. The favor that I have on my life passes on to my children. Passes on to my wife. Her favor also passes on to the children. My job as a father and as a husband is to lead the home. Why? Because God designed it that way. 
That was his design. And a lot of us are saying, well, that's sexist. That's, it's not. That is a design created by God deliberately. Deliberately to do what? To make sure that there was a head that we could go to. Now, if you guys notice anything about Ephesians 5, and I preached this once at a wedding. I actually got this from Pastor Todd. That the, the, the man is not above. When you see the word submission, that the, the wives submit to your husbands, and it, when, when that term is written, it's because the man is, it's actually like a tiered structure. The man becomes the general, and then the general, and, and then it goes on to the major, the major, and so on and so forth. You know, sergeant, then to the, to the rest of the, to, to the crew. Who answers before God if you're the head? The head of the house. I do. I end up answering to God for all that I allow or don't allow. And I think, and you guys can comment wherever you're at right now. Please uh, tell us where you're joining online. Uh, we'd love to hear you more. And again, I'm talking about godly fathers and why it's important to have that uh, in a nation right now. And so we're going to continue. I know that in our, our lifetime, we've seen more of a decline uh, in statistics. And I'm going to show you guys a few things. I'm just going to go through a couple statistics and I'll jump right into what I'm going to talk about. Did you guys know that 85% of youth who are currently in prison grew up in a fatherless home? This is actually from NPR. This is the, actually, that's from the Texas Department of Corrections. 85% of youth who are currently in prison grew up in a fatherless home. Because fathers are supposed to bring some kind of a good, godly uh, training. See, we think of the word discipline as a slap or a, a, a punishment. It's actually not. Disciple is a good thing. That means we're training them up in the way that they should go when they're old and we won't, they won't depart from it. My job as a father is to teach them things that their mom just can't sometimes. I'm not knocking single mothers. And a matter of fact, you that are single mothers, you are the bomb. Do you know how hard, I, I know how hard it is just to be without my wife for two days with my kids, and I end up in the fetal position in the corner sucking my thumb. I get it. It's difficult to do that. And there's no knock on you. And you know what? There are some people out there, there's some men who are not doing their job. They're not stepping up to the plate. And men who are trying to step up to the plate, and you're getting kind of run out of, uh, run out of your family, I hear you too. There are good godly dudes who were having, just struggling with their uh, spouse and you know maybe the parent, the mom didn't want to go there. None of that matters to me right now. What I'm talking about is good godly men, good godly fathers in a nation. If you look at uh, here, I'm going to keep reading statistics. Number two, seven out of ten youth that are housed in state-operated correctional facilities, including detention and residential treatment centers, come from fatherless homes. Seven out of ten, 70% of these kids that are in uh, these kind of detention facilities or uh, 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 treatment home, uh, 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 residential treatment homes. They come from fatherless homes. Did you guys know that 39% of students in the United States from first grade to their senior year of high school do not have a father? Almost 40% of kids going from beginning to, to 12th grade don't have a father in the home. And they're two times as likely to drop out of high school. They're twice as likely. That's from NPR, um, these statistics. 24, 25 million children in the United States live in a home where their biological father is not present. That equates to one in every three children in the United States. This is, this is alarming to me because, like, the more you study this, the more you're like, I have to be an example to my kids so if they don't do that. My boys, I want them to be good godly examples of what a man should be and how he should treat a woman, how they should be in society. Yes, and you know what? It's not wrong to teach your boys that they need to be tough, good men, strong, godly, backbone-filled good men, not jerks, but there's nothing wrong with being strong and tough. And I see that more and more where young people are like, well, I can't be tough. I can't. No, no, no. We're built rugged. We're supposed to be like that. My kids, when they scrape their knees, you should, my wife will tell you, I don't just pick them up and say, oh, are you okay? I, I joke about it with them. I laugh with them. Hey, man, just put some dirt on it, spit on it, rock and roll. You get back up and you do it again. Because they don't need to think that every time they hit a speed bump in their life that they're going to stop. 
that they can keep pushing through the barriers even though the pain is great. That's what happens with faith. If we're not teaching that you have to push the warfare through faith when you step into a faith realm, and anybody that's listening to me, if you've ever stepped out of faith before and the warfare comes and you get afraid, if you're not developing a pattern of stepping through that war and fighting through the barrier, you're not going to teach your kids how to do the same thing in faith. If they can't do it in the natural, I'm sorry, the spiritual precedes the natural. So if they can't do it in the spiritual, they're not going to do it in the natural. And that's why it's important to teach them how to fight in a nation that right now is despising them in a lot of ways, and that's not good. And so let's continue here. There's more statistics. i got a ton of them here. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to keep reading on some other things as well. 68% of children will spend their entire childhood, uh, I'm sorry, 68% of children will spend their entire childhood with an intact family. If you think about that. 85% of all children will exhibit some type of behavior disorder come from a fatherless home. That's from the U.S. Department of Justice. 85% of all children who exhibit some type of behavior disorder come from a fatherless home. 90% of the youth in the United States who decide to run away from home or become homeless for any reason originally come from a fatherless home. That's the, from the U.S. Department of Justice. Guys, if this is shocking you in statistics, I, I'm just as shocked as you are. Uh, and, 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 and the more I read statistics, the more my heart breaks for a father to be in this nation to raise our kids, to teach our kids good godly values, to make sure that they can... Um, ascribe to the teachings of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, if you guys don't know, in the Bible, it's chock full of patriarchs and women uh, who are matriarchs as well. But, you know, Abraham was chosen by God, and it says in Genesis 18, 19, to command his children and his household uh, after him to keep in the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Now, listen to that. Abraham was chosen by God to command his children. You know why a father needs to be at home? So he can command his children. The father has an authority structure. He's got a place. Anybody that says men and women are the same, yes. Many times biologically they are the same. In a lot of ways, yes. Mentally, they're in a different place. We can all agree that we communicate differently as men and as women. We, we, we uh, have some different tendencies and different things as men and women. God commands the patriarch of the house, the man who we set forth in that household. And to those of you that are dads right now that are struggling at home, with your children, I want to encourage you in something. If you keep going down the path of self-destruction, or if you keep going down the path of self-loathing and self-hatred because you don't think you're doing it right, I'm going to encourage you in something. God chose you to be the father of those kids. God chose you to be the husband of that wife. God chose you to be the leader of that household. God chose you to be the spiritual uh, covering and have the spiritual covering over that household. And the only one that can destroy that is you. People say, Satan destroyed my house. Satan did this. He can only do that if he's allowed to do it. If we weren't vigilant as men to stop that at the gate. You know, it's funny. The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail. And gates keep things out. My job is to go forth into the kingdom of darkness and destroy those things. My job, and what it, what it uh, says in Romans 8, that the, 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 the spirit of God or the, the, the word of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Christ was manifested to destroy the works of the enemy. I'm sorry, that's 1 John 3. And so when you look at my job as a parent, my job as a parent is to make sure to instruct my children in the Lord and to walk forth in faith. That is my duty as a man. And it says this in 3 John 4, it says, I have no greater joy than my children walk in the truth, right? And it says this in Ephesians 6, it says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. 
When you do that and you learn how to operate your house well, you then can send them out into society and they can have a good conscience, a good strong backbone, and a will to stand. A will to stand. If you can raise them in the home right, they will have a good conscience, a good moral structure, a good godly uh, place to stand so that they're not shaken by the world. They're not shaken by statistics. And guys, I'm going to say something a little controversial right now. I didn't want to go here tonight, but I'll say it. To me, it's disgusting. It is. And I know it's a ter- that's a strong word here. But it's terrible that we are conforming the gospel to the world instead of the world conforming to the gospel. What do I mean by that? We're trying to get the world to understand the righteousness of God by using worldly means to get them to understand the righteousness of God. In other words, we're tailoring our messages to the righteousness of the world when that changes literally every day by the media. It's not good enough here. It's not good enough there. We're not doing this right, right? And the church isn't doing this. And how come they didn't speak out about that? If you hold the line of righteousness in Christ, they will conform. And you know what? Not everyone will conform. The Bible says that we're not all to be saved, right? That he's loving kind and he wants all to be saved, but not all will be, okay? My job as a preacher is to minister the gospel and to walk in faith and in righteousness. And so, but the problem is, too, is we have a lot of uh, ungodly influences. I'm kind of bouncing around a lot, and I hope you're following my train of thought. If you are, type amen. Get on here, type, and share this, because this is important for fathers to hear. A lot of the times we have these things called ungodly influences. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Especially men. Uh, I have this habit and tendency sometimes where I just want to sit on the couch. I'm not saying I do it all the time, but I want to sit on the couch and just loaf because I'm so tired. My mind is so bogged down with what I just did in the day. Sometimes my kids... up to me and they're like, Dad, I want to be, you know, let's go out and play, or Dad, I want to I want to show you something on my computer, or Dad, I want to show you something that I saw on, you know, YouTube or whatever it is. And most of the time, just you know, you just get super tired. Super tired, but that's no excuse um, to, to not want to be with your kids. And we live in a crazy, mixed-up world that is often anything but godly. And Christians need to be wise to the fact that our secular culture is trying to influence us and our children to reject God and live however we please. Tell me that's not true. Reject God because God's not enough. We'll figure out our righteousness. And now we've determined that governments are now righteous. Governments can make laws uh, big enough to handle that righteousness. And that's where we're starting to lose a lot of our faith. We're starting to lose um, a lot of this uh, uh, teaching. And if you guys, uh, in Genesis 6, uh, verses 5, uh, 11 through 12, it says this. Now the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and the intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. That hasn't changed. The cool thing is Christ came on the scene to redeem our hearts unto him. But the world is still universally corrupt. And I think one of the problems is we're trying to say we need to end racism. We need to end murders. We need to end poverty. We need to end suicides. True. But we're trying to do that with worldly means. And isn't it worldly means that got us here in the first place? If we don't acknowledge God, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot depend on the system of the world. The only one that is supernatural that can handle that is Jesus Christ. That's why he resurrected for his power. I'm going to read some, uh, some, uh, some comments right now. Uh, if you said, uh, Stevie, Stevie Wonder just said this. Even though I was divorced when my daughter was four, I was told that I was a rare kind of father. Always trying my best to have her raised with the proper morals and values. I couldn't raise her any differently, though. At the time, it was difficult because my ex and her family had different set of values and morals for her. Most importantly, I kept her in the faith. I kept her faith intact, 
not losing focus that God is our Father. That is what I'm talking about, bros, for real. That's what I'm talking about. I'm saying that there's a way, and I, I appreciate that, Stevie. I really do. And it's hard to do, and that's why I was admonishing the fathers who aren't in the home. Still be a father. Still be a father to those kids because God gave you those kids for a reason. You, are, you have those kids in your care for a reason. And I'll continue here. Um, did you guys know, uh, actually, I can just continue on to this because I don't want to take up a lot of time on this. I'm trying to admonish you guys as much as possible. I've got so many notes, and I didn't want to take a lot of time on this, but I, I'm, I'm going to. Samuel Adams, he was the uh, second cousin to John Adams. He, they called him the father of the American Revolution. This dude was a pistol whip. And I, I kind of relate to him a lot. I love John Adams because he was really a bold voice. But Samuel Adams, he was like the troublemaker. <laughs> but, I mean, trouble in a godly way. He said this, religion in a family is at once its brightest ornament and its best security. I'm going to say that again. Religion in a family is at once its brightest ornament and its best security. Listen close. Religion in a family is its best security. It's its brightest ornament. It's the best thing that our families can have is religion in Christ, right? And one of the things, like, if you look at a guy like Paul, he didn't have earthly children but he had spiritual children, and he was teaching them how to be a father. And he even said this in 2 Timothy 3. He said, you, however, have followed my teaching, listen close, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Listen to that, right? And then he left us a really good model to follow as a father. And what he was saying was, you know, he, he says here, up here, uh, um, that, that he said, though we didn't have many fathers on earth, he became a father through the spirit of Christ. That's what he said to Timothy. And when he was talking to Timothy, he said, you know, there's an evil world out there, and I'm going to try to teach you to live through it, but I'm going to show you different ways that I showed you my fatherhood, Right? In this teaching, now watch, I'm going to go through this. He said this, you however have seen my teaching, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, and my persecutions. I'm going to go through all of them. What does this mean? What does this mean? All aspects of life. Teaching. He said you followed my teaching. Sound teaching from God's word should flow from the lips of a godly father so he can instruct and reprove, correct and train himself in the family of righteousness. He should adhere closely to the scriptures, meditating upon it constantly, speaking to address particular needs, and according to his life, uh, ordering his life according to the word of God. Did you guys hear that? My duty is to study my, and show, myself my, show myself approved to God. My job is to study and know the word of the Lord and pray to him that the spirit can make the word alive, right, so that I can teach my children. They will not learn unless I teach them. I'll tell you what, though, they sure know. Can you guys hear me at all? Can you guys uh, can you guys type below if you guys are hearing me? Can y'all type below if you guys can hear me now, please? We've been having some real bad technical stuff happen here lately, so. 
All right, Stevie can hear me. Praise God. Let's move forward then. Sorry, there's a long pause there. I'm just trying to keep moving forward here. And it, was, it was very difficult. So let's continue. Uh, what about he said? He said, you followed my teaching, my conduct. A father's daily practice ought to match his eternal position in Christ. If you think about it, everything that I do has to be consistent. So, however, oh, it's light. I'm sorry. At first, and then it doesn't anymore. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> if you guys want to support us, we can get better equipment, okay? <laughs> you guys want to sponsor us, we can get some better equipment. We get this thing moving. Uh, so <laughs> put it on your hearts. If God wants, if He puts it on your heart to help support our podcast, help support our ministry, we can get better equipment. Amen. Let's keep going here. When I'm talking about conduct, He said, "You've submitted to my teaching, my conduct." my aim in life, all those things. He said that basically my conduct is everything that I do in secret. Uh, it, for everything in secret, I do as unto the Lord. And that shows openly. It says that what I reveal to you in the dark, you're supposed to preach from the housetops. If I'm constantly going to the Lord, then I will get those things. He said, you've also followed my aim in life. What is the aim in life? With humble submission to our gracious Father. Goodwill, uh, a, God, a godly father lives intentionally according to the principles derived from the word of God. Now, I decided beforehand, when I had a family, I said, I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure that my kids grow up in a godly home. I'm going to make darn sure that my kids understand the word of God. I'm going to make darn sure that my kids hear me and hear me clearly that the word of God is to be followed and only that. The world will destroy my kids. The world will destroy my kids. It's always done that. It will always do that. The world is no good. Why do you think we need a Savior? Because our sins what kills us. And I'm going to go through some founder's quotes here that teaches that, okay? Now, he says this. You also followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, right? What does the Bible say about faith? And we're supposed to walk in faith. That the just shall live by faith. Those who love justice shall live by faith. That uh, whatever is not of faith is sin, right? Which means I have to step out consistently in faith. Now, some of you, that could be, man, I have to go, I might have to go volunteer for that class at, at church, you know, or, man, I may have to teach that Bible study, or, hey, I feel like God's telling me to start a ministry, or, hey, maybe God's telling me that I should start that business, or, hey, maybe I should start doing devotionals with my kids at night. Maybe I should, you know, this is where the man of God has to consistently step out in faith, be consistent in his aim in life, be consistent in his conduct, and teach his children how to walk in the ways of God. That is my job as a father, not anybody else's. Nobody can do my job that God ordained for me to do for me. You hear that? If you're the father and he tells you how to raise your kids in a godly house, then that is your job. And he says to admonish them in the fear of God, not in the fear of you. And I think sometimes we get that confused when we're starting to like discipline our kids or anything like that. Like, they have to fear me. No, 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 no. If we teach them that, that, that their conduct is before God, they're going to have a humility before God to want to obey you. And you emulate as a father, like you're literally the face of God to them. How you emulate fatherhood is how they will understand fatherhood when they get older, men. You hear me? How you emulate as a father, Jesus Christ, they will see, they will see the father the same way that you emulated him. Now, will you be a perfect father? No. I mean, of course not. Do you think that they can learn from your mistakes? Yes, of course they can. Of course they can, and they should learn from your mistakes. But if we don't teach them how to learn... They will never learn from their mistakes and they will look at themselves as failures. Right? If we don't admonish them in their failures and say, hey man, you failed there. Let's pick yourself back up. Let's move forward. That is what God does to me. How God treats me is how I treat my kids. Now, am I perfect at it? No. 
But that's what we're constantly going after as a father. He gave those kids to you for a reason. You know what I mean? And so he said, you also followed me in my patience. Patience, the difficulties of life. God the Father keeps a cool spirit and bridles his tongue. You know, it's funny. A godly father keeps a cool spirit and bridles his tongue. How many of you guys have a problem with that as dads? Can anybody either A, raise your hand or B, comment? We've got a problem sometimes with keeping our tongues smart. <laughs> sometimes, man, boy, they can set you off over the edge a little bit. Now, I'm not saying every dad does it. I know a couple dads that don't yell at their kids, and you are amazing if you don't. But sometimes there's points where it's like, man, either A, I had a long day, B, there was something wrong, and how a father, a strong man, doesn't need to yell. A strong man leads. They don't just point and give orders. They do and give orders. Okay, so then you're, you give the example. I cannot tell my kid to do something I'm not willing to do. That's not, that's not leadership. That's not fatherhood. And God has never told me one time to do something he's, he's never done himself. Christ has never beckoned me to do something. The Spirit of God has never beckoned me to do something He has not done Himself. Right? So there's these moments where fathers need to be the example. So when we teach our kids to walk in patience, we need to be patient. We teach them to walk in love. We need to walk in love. We say, hey, love one another. Love your brother and sister. But do you love at home? Do you love at work? Do you love at church? Do you love at the supermarket? Do you love, no matter where you go, are you walking in love? I know people are going to say right now, Man, that's really tough to do, to do every day, all the time. I know. It's supposed to be difficult. We're wrestling against flesh. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities, things we can't see. And the Bible says that we're supposed to be sober and vigilant because our adversary, the devil, seeketh, uh, walks around seeking whom we may devour. He's a roaring lion, it says. I'm supposed to be sober and vigilant. I'm supposed to always keep my eyes open as a dad. And this is what happens in society when you change things. I'm going to continue now because uh, it says this. He also said, if you continue my love, my patience, listen to this. He said, continue steadfastly in my persecutions. How many of you guys have seen a lot of persecution happening today on either side? A lot of people are saying they're feeling attacked and persecuted, so they're standing and they're doing uh, uh, rioting and all these other things. Uh, there's Christians that are under attack in foreign countries, sometimes here, and we're being attacked. The Supreme Court, to me, and we're gonna, we may talk about this on Sunday, along with one of the topics that we're covering, is how come the Supreme Court thinks that it can do what it's doing right now? By saying that, you know what, they can rule on gay and LGBT issues and change sex? That is not in their jurisdiction to do. Nowhere in the Constitution does a, does a, a Supreme Court have the, have the authority to d determine what biology is. That's not in their jurisdiction. It's not in their purview. They can't do that. It's in Article 3, Section 2. Look it up when you get a moment. But you know what happens when we don't have godly men? We have men, men that walk around without backbone. And then they can't stand on anything, and they're just going to go along with the wounds of the Lord because it's popular. Because it's popular. Because it's, not because it's moral, but because it's popular. And when it becomes popular, that's... See, you know what's funny? Is we've, we've made sin um, political. We've made sin where you can vote on sin now. You guys hear what I'm saying? Sin is now votable. Not immoral. Sin is votable. Righteousness, eh, as long as you're a good person... That's righteousness. You know what? That's how the world views you. As long as you're a good person, A, you keep your mouth shut when it comes to doing what they want to do, B, and C, you just conform to do what they do, you're a great person. You're totally moral. And God says, no, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with Christ. He said that if they persecuted me, no, they're going to persecute you. When you stand for Jesus Christ in this nation, you're going to get persecuted. See, notice this. You have the freedom of religion. It doesn't say you have the freedom from persecution. 
You're going to get persecuted, man. People are going to hate you for the faith. You know why? Because it's contrary to the world. His Ten Commandments didn't die. They were fulfilled in Christ. You know, it's still wrong to lie. It's still wrong to kill. It's still wrong to steal. As a matter of fact, let's go a step further. It's wrong to hate someone in your heart. That's murder. You know, it's wrong to commit adultery. Jesus said it's even wrong to look. It's sin to look at a woman to lust after him or men to lust after him. It's still a sin before God. It's still a sin before God to, to have idols before him. Whatever we give our time to. These messages aren't popular anymore. We don't want to talk about that because we want people to come to our churches so we can love on them. That's good. But if they don't know the standard of God, are they going to stick with the standard? Because the world will keep pushing them to their standard consistently. You ever notice that? Their, their system, the system of the world always gets promoted before God's standard. And when you promote God's standard, you're intolerant, you're a bigot, you hate, you're a, you're a phobe of some kind, you have phobia of some kind. No, I'm not afraid of them. Here's what I do know, though. They're, they're afraid of God's righteousness. I don't think they can. I think they're afraid of God's love. I don't think they want God's love because they've been taught not to want God's love because they've been in fatherless homes. This, this is real stuff, you guys. This is real. And if we don't teach our kids how to live through persecution, they're going to become a victim. If we don't teach them that, hey, persecution is what happens to a godly father or a godly mother or a godly family or a godly citizen, guess what? They're not going to learn how to handle it, and they're going to turn into victims and blame God for being yelled at. They're going to blame God for being attacked. When God promised that would happen to us. I don't want that to happen. Do you guys know that if you have a business, at the rate things are going right now, they may tell you, you know, you can't say Christian in the front of your business. I'm not saying it's going to happen, and I'm not prophesying that, because in Jesus' name we're going to turn this around. But that's where it could go if we continue to be despotic. That's where this could go if this continues to be despotic. You hear me? We continue to let all this stuff happen. It will continue to happen. You guys can... Comment where you guys are from. I would love to hear where you're from right now. That would be awesome. I'm going to start with a couple of quotes here because I really think this is important. John Adams said this. I'm not, I'm not struggling to, to, to talk. I'm just quiet because I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to say? John Adams said this. The laws of man may bind him in chains or may put him to death, but they never can make him wise, virtuous, or happy. Do you guys know what the word virtue means in the 1828 dictionary? Moral excellence. You know what morality means? Those that are, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, conformity to the law of God in the 1828. Virtue means conformity to the law of God in moral excellence. Conformity to God's word. Okay? And I'm going to read you some, some quotes that were directed to men. In history, This is what George Washington said. He said, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. He said this, in vain would that man claim tribute to patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness. In vain would you call yourself a patriot if you try to destroy religion and morality, he said. You can't call yourself a patriot. He says this, these are the firmest props of the duties of men and citizens Reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principles. National morality cannot exist if we don't have religious principles. Men, hear me. If we don't have religious principles, national morality cannot exist. These were the founders of America. That was exactly what they established. Was that? And I'm telling you, these men weren't perfect. These guys knew because they studied civilizations in the past. 
Even with the national sins going on at the time, they knew that over time we could perfect our government. As a matter of fact, they wrote that in the Declaration of Independence, that over time we could perfect our government, that we had the opportunity to establish new governments to make sure that we would have national felicity, national virtue, national morality. Now we have Supreme Court justices determining who's right, and, or I'm sorry, who's moral and who's not. Now they're determining what marriage is, what bathrooms are, and where people can go. They're now determining that, you know what, we can just let illegals come into the nation. And yes, I said it, illegals, and I'm Mexican, and I don't care if you get mad at me or not. They're saying now that illegals can come into a nation, even though it's national federal law, that it's illegal to come in here undocumented. Do you see what's happening? Only in America can you break the law first and then try to change it. Try that in Iraq. It doesn't work like that. And here we are facing this because we don't have men of virtue in these positions. And they're far and few between. And thank God for guys like, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm for everything he says or does, but I like him. Ted Cruz was just on the floor of the Senate uh, talking, talking about the recent Supreme Court decision. This is ridiculous. If we don't follow law, what, what is society without law? Here, what's a family without standards? Men. What's fathers? What is a family without standards? You know, sometimes people used to, my, my cousin just joined right now, Aurora. You know what's funny is when we grew up, we grew up tough. And I know she could probably attest to that, right? They grew, we grew up tough with discipline and all these things. You know, and I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm not saying it was always necessary. I'm not saying that my parents do any, did, didn't do things wrong. But I'll tell you what, though. Sometimes I look back going, you know what? I'm glad they were tough on me because I learned how to take care of myself. I learned how to take care of my family. Had a job since I was 14 years old, right? Bought my own first car. Did everything on my own. Worked hard. Went through, my, uh, went through my lickings, went through the school of hard knocks, understood what it was like to come from the ground up. Now I'm teaching my kids to do the same thing. My, my seven-year-old, or my, sorry, my nine-year-old son came up to me and said, Dad, I need $300. I said, how are you going to get that? He goes, mow lawns and vacuum cars. I said, when are you going to start? He said, tomorrow. That's, we're raising him up to do that. That he doesn't depend on a government. He doesn't depend on an authority structure to give him what he needs. He can do it himself. Now, I'll help him, and I told him I would match it, right? But I love that he wants to go do that on his own. That's what we have to instill in our children. They can do this by themselves. Listen, you guys are going to love this. I have a thousand quotes here that I, that I, I want to uh, uh, get through here, and there's so many of them that I can get to. Here it is. Um, where are we at? I am so sorry, guys. I had a whole mess of them here. Oh, here we are. He said, this is John Adams, he said, It is religion and morality alone which can establish the principles upon freedom, upon which freedom can securely stand. The only foundation of a free constitution is pure virtue. What did we say virtue was? Moral excellence. What is moral excellence? Adhering to the Ten Commandments. That's in the 1828 dictionary. Samuel Adams, his cousin, said this, Neither the wisest constitution nor the wisest laws will secure the liberty and happiness of a people whose manners are universally corrupt. You hear me? Neither the wisest constitution or the wisest, wisest laws will secure the liberty and happiness without, with, of a people whose morals are universally corrupt. He, therefore, is the truest friend of liberty of his country who tries most to promote its virtue and who, so far as his power and influence extend, will not suffer a man to be chosen onto office of power and trust who is not a wise and virtuous man. We drop the ball there. We sit there and try to blame people, and it's like, you know what? We elected them. We elected them. We're the ones who elected this stuff. And that's why we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of things 
uh, screw up. It says that James Madison said this to support. To, I'm sorry. James Madison said to suppose that any form of government will secure liberty or happiness without any virtue in the people is a basically a crazy idea, a, a, chimer, a chimerical idea, basically a crazy idea to suppose that any form of government will secure liberty or happiness without any virtue, without any standard, without any morality, without Ten Commandments, right? Uh, Patrick Henry said virtue, morality, and religion. This is the armor, my friend, that this alone renders us invincible. Virtue, religion, and morality renders us invincible. These are the tactics that we should study. If we lose these, we are conquered, fallen indeed. So long as our manners and principles remain sound, there is no danger. You see why it's important to go out and minister the gospel, folks? You see why it's our job, men, to teach our children? We have a shot to change society right now, men. Hear me out. We have a chance to change society right now. We have a shot to teach our kids to change a generation because they can do it. Listen, if one man can change the world, what about your kid? What about your daughter? What about your son? You know, what if you're laying the groundwork for your kids to shape something in a nation? He just said it, that we're, we're, rendered, we're rendered invincible if we have virtue, morality, and religion. We are invincible. Man, I get lit on this stuff. He also said this, Patrick Henry said, he said, bad men cannot make good citizens. Listen to this. This isn't judgment, folks. This is experience. This isn't judging them. This is experience. Bad men cannot make good citizens. It's when a people forget God. Listen, that tyrants forge their chains. Tyrants forge their chains when you're bad. When you're universally corrupt, they can enslave you. That's what you're seeing. You ever notice that the worse it gets, the more laws they make? The more money they pass through Congress? The more the Supreme Court does something in the dark? All the riots are happening. They're talking about another stimulus bill to put us more in debt right now. And now the Supreme Court is ruling on things we didn't even know they were ruling on. Because we're universally corrupt. And I'm, I'm talking about the media here, too. And when I go around society now, you know what's cool? I go around society and I look at society and I'm thinking, now people love each other here, man. But we cannot allow a media to destroy our family. Folks, I'm, I'm going to be blunt here. Time to turn off the TV sets. It's time to turn off the TV sets and love your neighbor. It's time to turn up our Instagrams and our Facebooks to the trashy news and love your neighbor. I, there's a quote attributed to Mark Twain. He said this, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed, but if you do read it, you're misinformed. It's time to turn off these devices that are not the word of God and start establishing our families on that. Start establishing our mindsets on the word of God. Can you imagine if we quit watching the news and started reading the word of God more? What would happen? We would have a response for the world. We would see something change, and people are like, but I'm just one person. I know, I know. Bible's chock full of one person that changed the world. Uh, history is, is chock full of people with one person who changed the world. That's why you remember guys like William Wilberforce, William Wallace, John Knox, Charles Montesquieu, you know, uh, Samuel Adams, Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, John Kennedy. You remember men because they stood. One dude. Did they have help? Yep. But that's the family structure. Our families can create these children that love God and love to keep His commandments. That's the whole duty of man is fear God, keep His laws. That's, Ecclesiastes 8 says that. It's the whole duty of man. Fear God, keep His commandments. There's so much here, man. 
Man, I just... I've got a ton of these quotes. Thomas Jefferson said this, Dependence begets subservience and banality. What he's basically saying is when you become dependent on government or anything structural-wise, it begets, it creates slavery is what he's saying. Suffocates the germ of virtue and prepares fit, uh, fit tools for the designs of ambition. I'm not, I'm not without words here. I'm just... Samuel Johnson said this. He said, no people can be great who have ceased to be virtuous. George Mason said, man. He said, no free government or the blessings of liberty can be preserved to any people, but by a firm adherence to justice, moderation, temperance, frugality, and virtue, by frequent recurrence of fundamental principles. Look, we have a Bible chock full of scriptures that teach us how to be men that teach us to get away from ungodly influences and deny the flesh. And you know what? I think more and more we've seen the flesh rise up in all of us in a lot of ways. And again, I pray that we're helping you learn something. Men, that we're encouraging you because Father Day's around the, Father's Day is around the corner. I pray that we're encouraging you in some way, shape, or form. I pray that somehow, some way, you guys are finding courage and, and that you guys know that we love you. We love you so much. That we want to see, oh, there's some quotes here. Oh, cool, there's some comments. Government has forgotten the negative rights theory. Instead, they have pursued positive rights. Absolutely. Um, there's so much here. Yep, we've made it votable. Yep, that's true. Yep, this is awesome, guys. Oh, my dad said, keep up the good work. That's awesome. Thanks, Pops. You know, my dad, he'll tell you there was a lot that we learned that was good. And he'll tell you, too. He's like, I messed up a lot. Of course, I have messed up so much. But you know what my dad's been to me is consistent. My dad's been consistent in my life. And what I love about that is I know I can depend on them when I need godly counsel or some kind of wisdom because he grew up, uh, you know, not fatherless per se, but he had to work really young. Gave up a lot of his ambitions to take care of his family, which was culture for us as Hispanics back then. That was culture. It's what you did. It's kind of what you walked in. Men, we've got a lot of kids that need fathers. And for those of you that are really uh, seeking to help this society... There's so a lot of kids out there in these, 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 these schools and things that don't have a father. You can be a father to these kids. And your own kids right now, men, Father's Day is coming around the corner. What do your kids know you for? What do your kids appreciate about you? What are your kids going to say, man, like, hey, man, I love this about dad. You know what? I love this about dad. It's the little things that you teach them that they can hang on to for the rest of their lives. And we have such a chock-full report of men in Scripture, men like the founders, who've done so much in their lifetime to do something for a nation. And we still revere and remember these men now, right? Now, you're seeing a lot of weird things happen, but guys, I'm telling you, if it can happen in the negative, if sinful things can happen, you know what the Bible says? Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. <laughs> Woo, yeah. Yes! Where sin abounds, and it's crazy, and it's everywhere, grace is much more crazier than that to remove sin. Grace is much more powerful to remove it. Grace is much more available to remove sin, to destroy it at every turning cost. You think sin's bad? Cry out to God for grace and righteousness, man. You've watched. And he'll change his society because he can. Dude, I'm telling you, if he was done with America, Christ would have already come back. He ain't done yet. 
He ain't done because we're still breathing, we're still in a nation, and we're still able to vote, and we're still able to do many things, do protests and things like that. But I'm encouraging you, your protest right now is the gospel. Your protest right now is raising godly kids. Your protest is being a good godly husband. Your protest is your walk before God. And what kind of an example you're setting, man, out there is the example your kids will carry in the future. And they're going to do it their own way. And you thank God for their own for, for, for their conscience and how they, they are. My kid Nathan is like me times 10. right? He's got my personality times 10. Isaiah is a lot like me times 10. Aaron's a lot like me and his mother. They're like all of us times 10. What we emulate to them is what they will portray to the world. How we emulate God is how they will view God. Men, make sure that we're doing this in good godly ways so that they can understand true godliness and righteousness so that they're not afraid. You know what I love about this teaching? It makes God palpable. I don't just go to church so I can hear a good sermon. I go there because I'm around a fellowship of believers that can help me father my children, that can help me uh, 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 be a husband to my wife and a good citizen in society. I don't go listening to sermons. I go to receive something that will, that, that will uh, grow, uh, tear me up inside so that I can be mended by Christ and go out to, to the world and show it. That's what church does for me. That's why it's not dry to me to go to church or to hear worship music or anything like that. It's, it's life to me because all I have is Christ. Our whole identity is found in Christ. Amen? Well, I, I just want to say God bless you guys. Thank you for tuning in this week. Um, tune in Sunday. We're going to be talking about... <laughs> it's going to be a little different topic, but it's going to be fun. The difference between collectivism and individualism. The difference between collectivism and individualism. And collectivism is destroying America. We weren't built as a collectivist society. Where it's all the people getting together. We're all in unity and sunshine and rainbows. We're individuals created by, with individual sovereignty to have collective things, but we're created to be collective. And it's going to be a good teaching. It's going to be godly. It's going to be scriptural. So we want to see you Sunday. But anyways, guys, if you find these teachings, these podcasts of any blessing to you, of, of any influence to you, if you guys want to go online, theselfevidenttruth.com, you guys can sponsor and support us. Um, we also have our official merch. You guys can get one of these cool hats. We've got some really cool t-shirts that I never wear because I'm too big. <laughs> Right? Well, we've got all these things that are available on our website, theselfevidenttruth.com. We're still trying to find partners that will help us continue our great work. We're going to start touring up again here. we got some, hopefully, some, a couple of events. I may have to go to Ypsilanti, Michigan here really soon because it's starting to open back up because we need to get out on the road. Uh, we're still kicking butt at the church and doing what we're doing there. Just wanting to be a good godly influence out there. If this ministered to you in any way, please type down your comments below. Share this video with your friends. The more you share it, the more the messages can get out there. Amen? That's what we want this to do. We need to get this out there. We need to continue the message, not just of liberty, but godliness. I think what sets us apart from different uh, groups, not saying ministries, but groups, is that we're not talking about current events so, so that we can own them or get a good argument across. We're trying to bring reasonable, godly doctrine to the nation because all these issues can be fought with Scripture. They can be won through prayer and grace and humility and strength. God can destroy the wicked works of the enemy. He promised he would do that in 1 John 3, guys. I love you so much. God bless every one of you. Tune in on Sunday uh, at 7 p.m. We can't wait to see you guys. God bless you. Again, share this video with you guys. Thank you.